Welcome to the Movie Vault. I'm Ben. I'm Zach. And today we have two very special guests, and I'd like them to introduce themselves. We have special guest number one here is <laughs> Isaac, and special Isaac. guest number two. Yeah, my name is Jaden, and they Wait. are collectively uh, backstage, backstage cinema. cinema. Yeah, we practiced that beforehand. Yeah. Your name's actually Isaac. Yes, that is actually my first name. It I is thought a, you were joking. No. Oh, well, in that case, my first name isn't Jaden. So. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Do, do people call you Ike much? It depends. Like, it depends on the group. Like, a, a lot of my, like, the people who knew me growing up knew me as Isaac. And then, like, through high school, it was always Ike. And at work, since I work a split shift, one shift knows me as Isaac and the other knows me as Ike. Some so people whenever they Graham. talk about me at work, they never know who they're talking about because they only know me by the one name. So... It really just does depend on who, who you are, but I'll, I'll I'll go by many names. A man of many names. Okay. Yeah. Great. No, I'm Zach. I'm, and this is Ben. So we stick to our regulars. Yeah. Is yeah. It Zachariah or is Zachary. 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 But with That's, an E R Y. With an E R Y. I know my parents are illiterate. Oh no. That's kind of I I know. Three Zachs that are like that, so I don't think that's that really? weird. Okay, yeah, I've never met one more. I've ever heard that. Okay. Mm, well, it sucks to be you, I guess. Yeah, it does. Is it really just your parents didn't know how to spell the name? I actually don't know. I suspect that because I know them pretty well, and that's my first like guess. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> that's crazy. It could be either way. And for you, is it Benji or Benjamin? It's Benjamin. Benny boy. Actually, the it's really phased out the amount of people who call me Benji. It was really when we first met. That was kind of the group of people that called me that. Okay. So, and I don't, I don't see them as much anymore. So it's really just Ben most of the time. Really, nobody really calls me Benjamin. So. Yeah, I don't know anyone who goes by Benjamin. It's always Ben. It's just too. It's a mouthful. It's too much. Franklin's the only one that I know of. Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nobody calls him Ben Frank. Well, no, they do actually. Now that I say it out loud. Yeah. So. Today we're we're not just here to shoot the breeze. We're here to talk about a major motion picture, maybe the biggest film of the year. Although it has some competition, but we'll get to that. Some competition in terms of yeah. of uh, stealing the spotlight for the day it came out. But this film is directed by a guy you might have heard of. His name's Christopher Nolan. Wait, who's that? Chris he is Nolan? a British. A, he's described as a British and American filmmaker. Don't know what that means. Maybe one parent. You don't get yeah, both. Yeah. <laughs> he, he actually is. I don't know if you knew his parents were from England and then America. So his brother actually oh. sounds 100% American because he was born and raised there. But Christopher Nolan spent the majority of his early life in the UK, which is why he was born in London. I think okay. it was his mom is from America and his dad is from the UK. But I don't know if you've heard or seen in interviews him and his brother speak. You wouldn't even know they're brothers. You're not that's so weird. That's actually real? Yeah. No, this is Damn. true. You can look it up. He's talked that's about it before. Blowing. It's very cool. I would not have guessed that. Yeah. This this film that he's come out with is uh, based on the 2005 biography American Pri- Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin, apparently. And it is about a certain individual named J. Robert Oppenheimer. And the film is called Oppenheimer. So my first question to all of you is, how familiar were you with J. Robert Oppenheimer before this movie? That, when I hear the name, I just think of the Manhattan Project beforehand. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ike? Pretty much the same. Or I think of the song, the J. Robert Oppenheimer that's shit just or whatever. <laughs> like that, that's what I thought it was when I was younger. And then when I got into high school, I was like, oh, he 
the father of the atomic bomb. That's that's what I attribute yeah. him as. Manhattan Project, and he's the father of the atomic bomb. I'd say Manhattan Project as well. But I've never, like, you know, we read about Oppenheimer, but we don't, like, know about Oppenheimer. We don't know who he is or what maybe, his motives are. Maybe I just didn't pay attention during this part of history class, but I really didn't know anything Weren't about you Oppenheimer. Though? I was homeschooled, yeah. so it's possible it was a, a gap that they, was missed. It's possible you're, they're like, let's just take a nap. You called yeah. in sick. <laughs> called in sick. Mom, on the, I can't come down. On the atomic bomb chapter of, yeah. of the history book. But uh, really, I'd, I've heard about this film coming out for like, I don't know how many years. A while. So it feels like it's been known. And so for me, he's kind of synonymous with this film, but obviously he had a much bigger reputation than that. Um, and it is indeed known as the father of the atomic bomb. Okay, second question. When you heard that Christopher Nolan was making this film, what was your first reaction? Confusion. Because he hasn't, and we're going to get into this, he hasn't done many character-based films. He's done a lot of plot-based films, and that was kind of the, kind of the criticism we had when we reviewed Tenet, episode 7. Go check it back. Uh, that was, it was all plot. It was all kind of, you know, just like this structured, this structured sequence of events, and what was that? I forget who was the main actor, but he, it was, it was good. It was really good, and we said that it gets more hate than it deserves. But this is like the opposite end of that. I feel like there's a spectrum of Christopher Nolan where you have, this is the spectrum end that we have never experienced before, Christopher Nolan, where it's all character based, yeah. and the other end is like a, a movie like Tenet or possibly Inception, where you don't get too deep into the characters and it's pretty concept, you know, conceptual, concept based. Um, and then in the middle might be something like Dunkirk, I'd say. So, but that I was confused because I was like, he's he's going way off the spectrum. I thought his spectrum was much shorter, but whoa, his range has expanded. Yeah, I'd say my first thought was probably like, oh, Dunkirk Part Two, just because like this is his second stab, to my knowledge, at a historical either either figure or event. So I was like, oh, this is probably just going to be. Really pretty looking, but it's going to be kind of boring. At least Dunkirk was kind of boring to me, but it was still like cinematically it looked really pretty. But I was wrong, and it was, I mean, it was still pretty, but it was definitely very engaging. But that was my first thought. I immediately just thought this is probably going to be like the best movie of the <laughs> year, or whatever year is going to come out. Why? I, I just like when Nolan tackles real life stuff. I know that everyone doesn't love Dunkirk. Because, oh, well, you know, it's it's all about time and everything's out of order. But I think it's one of the best war films that we've probably got this century. It's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that he has actual care behind what he's doing. And then you hear it's a three-hour epic and you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. The only thing is he casted Harry Styles. I don't love Harry Styles as an actor. Look, I don't either, but I think it's probably his best role because he doesn't do much. He doesn't talk it's his much. best role, which is really <laughs> sad, man. <laughs> I think... I, I just I was also in the same camp as Zach when I heard about this. I just was confused about what he was gonna do with this. What could you possibly do with this? Is it Christopher Nolan like you feel like he can't get out of his own mindset, right? Yeah. You think he's stuck in his ways? But then it, like this really blew my mind. Like no pun yeah. intended. Whoa. We I, I guess we can also talk about this in a minute, but I think the the, the other part's like he, he kind of it feels like he goes out of his way to be like awe inspiring and make you think about reality in a completely different context. And this is like I mean, we kind of know where the story goes. However, the last scene happened, and you're like, you're thinking about life in a completely different mindset now because you're like, oh, Actually, wow. I think that's a fair thing. Maybe we should start here. I think with each film, he's kind of progressed in a different lens, and he keeps adding these new lenses with each of his films. And this, in Oppenheimer specifically, it's like 
through this character, through this guy, yeah. J. Robert Oppenheimer, who kind of has these flaws, who has these great character arcs throughout the film that are told all out of order. But this character is the lens through which we look, whereas in other, in other films that he's done, it's like the lenses are time or, you know, getting into the mind and incepting or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I think as I was watching the film, I realized that this was something that made complete sense for Nolan to do. Because what? who is Christopher Nolan? He is somebody who is really obsessed with time and really obsessed with physics. True. Like at his core, which is very unique mm-hmm. for a director. And I think that's yeah. what I, I think that a lot of people I see who are really into Christopher Nolan tend to be wired in a certain way just overall. Mm-hmm. They are very like black and white kind of like logically driven people. And they love his movies because that's exactly how he is. He loves everything's a puzzle that comes together. It's like and so like part of the the draw is like seeing or like seeing the mathematical equation come together. I kind of yeah. view his movies as math. But I think to Zach's point, this is this actually focused on a character instead of being all about the structure of the movie. And do you think it paid off? I think it did. Okay. I think so too. Hands down for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think this is his I'm just, I think this is his best film. Yeah. I, I, I will say to that point, I don't think it's his best film because there's a lot that I love. But I feel like this is the combination of all of it. You know, we've done time. We've done, you know, going back in time. We've done the trilogy. You know, we've done everything. And this is like taking all the great that he's done and he put it into one mm-hmm. project. So what surpasses this? Just curious. For me, the standouts will always and forever be, A, The Dark Knight, but I don't think The Dark Knight's better than this. Okay. Um, but uh, I would still say, um, for me, it's going to be Interstellar, for sure. That's fair enough. Go check that episode out, too, on the movie vault. Yeah. There you go. Interstellar is... I think Interstellar rivals it in, in being as breathtaking. Yeah. yeah. I, I think... This was actually... We didn't talk about this. This is one of the complaints that some of our people had coming out of the theater is like you the climax is the bomb and then there's like an hour and a half afterwards and yeah it's kind of hard to follow but like you know at the, at the same time it's the most in like one of my biggest issues and this is why I, I'll give him praise for it is I absolutely hate when movies end on the climax and then it just cuts to black and it's like oh so after this they did this and then this is like their story like that it could have ended after we found out that Hiroshima and Nagasaki got blown True. That could have been the end of the movie, but they're like, no, we want to show you the fallout. Yeah. I would argue that it couldn't have been the end of the movie, but oh yeah, for I sure. Here you go. Here's here's my my argument for that. I think I was talking about this with Zach in the car on the way back, and I said, any any normal any normal filmmaker who's not Christopher Nolan who is just making a movie that's like a regular biopic. I I'm using these terms like normal, and I don't know exactly how they fit, but would just have done the build up to it would have been a linear progression to build up to building the bomb and the whole climax would have been the bomb and that it was successful and they wouldn't have had any of the like ethical or they might have touched on the ethical questions of or and how Oppenheimer reacted when the bomb was exploded and when it went off in Nagasaki and Hiroshima Mm -hmm. but they wouldn't have done it in the way that Nolan did for the next like hour hour and a half where he like really dove into and then like obviously strauss ended up being like a huge part of it too which added another layer 
but yeah. that's why I think it wouldn't have been as effective without that last part of the movie. I agree. And I think the movie is really about the implications. And I think like the implications of introducing this world ending weapon or the implications of what happens when you give man this weapon. And so you really can't see those implications unless you see the effects of that transpire first. And then you see the implications afterwards. Like, yeah. I guess that would start getting into spoiler territory. So I guess we won't talk about that quite yet, but, I don't know if it's uh, his best work. I will say it's definitely his best work as far as a character goes. Like I oh, haven't yeah. seen him do a character better than he did with Oppenheimer. But if I'm if I'm trying to introduce someone to a Nolan film, I'm always going to point them to The Prestige, and then maybe something like Inception. And then once they appreciate his work, then I'll show them Interstellar. Yeah. But this, as far as a character story, is like hands down his best work i see your point Jaden and ike i think it's more of an acquired nolan taste you know this mm-hmm. film is more i mean especially with the runtime in the in your hands yeah in his hands. yeah the runtime does make it daunting but i think it's his best because it's the culmination just like you said he yeah. takes the best parts from each film and puts it together and then adds what we have been criticizing throughout all the years ben and i we talked ben we talked about yeah. this just like you we said that throughout like even in tenet we're like the characters they're not great like he doesn't do it that well and in this, it's like, this is the best part of the film is the character. Oh, yeah. And I think he just mm-hmm. doubled down on that while including those structural elements as well. Yeah. And even just that, I don't know how accurate this is historically, but even just the historicity of it is amazing, I think. And mm-hmm. I mean, just having yeah. like Bohr and uh, Einstein and, you know, Heisenberg and all these different characters play out throughout the narrative. It's amazing. And seeing how they work in history, too. I had no idea that Albert Einstein was involved at all in any even if it was a remote aspect uh, or maybe the, and I don't know, I didn't research into how much of this was um, speculative or anything like that. Well, he was, he he was definitely involved. I don't know if he he was throwing stones in a lake or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I I just didn't think about the timelines and, and just how Oppenheimer was viewed as like the next step. Yeah. And like those others, I had heard of all these people, but I mean, this is seeing how they went into, in no, history you're right i think you're right with you i think you have a point like Bohr made a new theory of atom and molecules right and he would that's that's the guy he's talking to throughout this he's the guy that's not the german guy heisenberg yeah. but the other one and like these guys are like theorizing what molecules actually are and then right away they get to the point where they can split atoms you know and do stuff like this and just like it's like a whole other film is missing almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I could have gone on a tangent and watched a film about oh, yeah. that Einstein, whoever, I don't know the actor, but I feel like I could have went down to so many tangents. Yeah. And that's good. That's good world building. That's good character play. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, do we want to cross over into spoilers? Oh, like uh, yeah. So much Spoiler alert, the bomb does work. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's like the least <laughs> that's the movie. spoiler. I yeah. mean, by the fact that history has moved on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, if the bomb didn't go off, they would have just it would have been revisit, revisionist history. This wouldn't have even been a movie, movie, you know. Yeah. This would have been like a what if movie. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler: Tom Hardy and Michael Caine are not in this movie. And oh, I did notice that. that. My, no, Michael Caine. I was yeah. like, dang it. Yeah. But what? Who would he have played if he was in the movie? That's Einstein. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's like the only realistic bet, I guess. You could have done a Heisenberg, an older Heisenberg. Yeah, I okay, I I have one question. I would say my first question for all of you is from this film what what did what happened that you least expected because this film the things that stuck out for me were the least expected things I expected from a Christopher Nolan movie. Hmm. 
Okay, I got a few. I, a, the fact that there was no CGI is, like, pretty impressive. So one of the things I was asking Ike, and obviously none of us know, I, I was obsessed with all of the – well, first off, I, 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 I'll say this. Uh, Killian Murphy deserves to be nominated for an Oscar solely based on everything with the whole fallout. One of my biggest gripes, and this is unrelated. I mean, it's kind of related, but one of my biggest gripes, especially when we're talking Star Wars – is I hate the fact that the Empire has just massacred trillions of people and there's, like, no consequence. This dude didn't even have a say of where these bombs were going to go. And just, like, the facial reactions and just the fear, and that was my biggest, like, I didn't see this coming, is when we're in his mind and the background starts, like, vibrating and shaking. Like, that was that was sweet. I didn't expect that. I also didn't expect the way it ended. I thought this... I will say that this may be the best ending to any of the Christopher Nolan films, yeah. other than The Dark Knight. I think The Dark Knight is just so iconic, the way it ends with the monologue. But you're saying if I keep segmenting <laughs> this film out, you're going to say it's the best, it's the best, and then we'll get to the point where you say it's the best Christopher Nolan film. Here's the thing. And I think that after I watch it again, I can officially say that. I don't want it to be a recency bias thing where I'm like, oh... Th- that's, that's my I, I get that. Where I'm like, yeah. oh, it's automatically the best. The only time I, I will do that is if, like, you know, for an absolute <laughs> fact, I know. You don't want it to be another The Batman debacle, huh? I mean, The Batman is still <laughs> it's still up there for me. But I think that open, uh, I think Oppenheimer is only going to get better the more times you rewatch. Because one of the things that people keep forgetting is, like, every one of these characters played a pivotal role in all of this. It's not like, like Oppenheimer is obviously the big name. But, like, every one of these characters, even if they're in it for, like, 10 seconds, has so much history behind them. And there's probably characters that we've missed. Can I get my complaint and then I'll let you guys talk? Go quickly. You're good. My biggest complaint, and it's my complaint with a lot of his films, is the sound design is really rough. There's a lot. There's a lot of times where, like, the music overpowers the actual talking. And I I thought that that was going to be an issue. So I, I looked it up on Twitter afterwards, and a lot of people were complaining about it. But I, I thought it was funny. I, I think I already told you this. One of the guys behind us, in certain scenes, he's like, hey, can you guys make the music just a little louder? I can almost hear what they're saying. The, someone said that in the theater? Yeah. All right, see, this is, I don't, people don't need to talk Okay, I have some pushback with that. Ben, I already know what you're going to say, and I agree with you. I think that the the sound mixing is a stylistic choice. I don't think it's... No, I think it's on purpose. I don't think I'm not blaming him necessarily, but especially no, I'm, with, I'm saying that the movie is better because of the sound mixing. Like it makes it, it sound grudgy. If it's, when I think of the movie, I think of when they're stomping their feet in that room. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's stressful. It induces stress. I'm on purpose. I'm purely talking about there are scenes where the music is just at a climax, and there's st- and there's like actual conversation happening, and you're like, this needs. To I still blend think that's a little purpose. bit better. Maybe I would need to rewatch. I don't remember that. Yeah, I, I would have to actually look. But yeah. most of the time, I was like, when that happened, I thought of it more like, this is a, like that's that's there's fair. a reason fair, that yeah. he's mixing the sound like this, and like the dialogue is important, but also like. The, the music is like going along with the di- they're like joining together the does thing, the feeling that the I only had. thing i'll give to your credit Jaden, is i wish there were subtitles there were sometimes i could yes yeah that's, going that's on. what i'm saying so i was i looked down at the bottom of the screen constantly because yeah. i use subtitles 
Yeah. I will say, like, I love this is just so random. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick, Devin Bostick was in this. He played one of oh, the Oh, he was great for like the two minutes he was in it. But that's like a character. So he plays Seth Nedemeyer, who has tons of history in this in this whole Manhattan Project and mm-hmm. stuff. And you're like, every single character has their own, has books written about them, right? In this Manhattan Project. But we chose to go around Robert J. Robert Hoppen, Oppenheimer because he's like the central character who kind of bands them all together. But he's also probably one of the most questionable characters. So I guess my next question would be. What kind of what kind of things do you see in Oppenheimer? What kind of character things did maybe what kind of character flaws, arcs, things did you see in J. Robert Oppenheimer? Because if you watch this movie for the first time, you really have to think about it, like to think mm-hmm. like what yeah. is what what is Nolan trying to tell me about this character? Hmm. I think to answer both questions, the previous and this one, I would say it's very much it, a lot of it comes down to just the way that Nolan is adapting in that a lot of the times he'll have like an abstract idea and he tries to explain it away and that can sometimes take away a little bit of the magic for me. Mm. However, in this movie, you just see a lot of just like visuals and like visual storytelling, like from Killian's standpoint of like you can see what's going on in his head without necessarily having to be like, oh, I feel so bad for all this. I am morally, <laughs> I, I don't know how to feel about this thing. Instead, like, he just lets the visual speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that a lot of it just comes down to just Nolan adapting. But problems that I had, actually, what was the second question again? Yeah, just what kind of, what, what kind of character things, did, character traits did you see in Oppenheimer? It's also a lot of the times he'll have, like, a character who's very just like moral but like this having your main character is not a moral person but also not a bad person makes him more relatable in the sense that yeah i guess maybe the best example and i told this to Jaden, and maybe you'll relate to this too because you're watching the series but um jimmy from better call saul is like the perfect example of like a character to follow because if they're good then maybe you'll just feel jealous or you're just like oh they're just they're just gonna win in the end i know how good guys go or if it's bad then you want them to you want them to get justice or whatever. But when you have someone who's like complicated like that, it's a lot more interesting to follow. And I think mm. he nailed that with Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. I mean, just his wife having mm-hmm. the affairs, um, yeah. stuff like that. I think a big one for me was the beginning when he put the, was it potassium cyanide? Yeah. And the, apple. yeah. And yeah. And the apple. And I just thought about like, this is setting up something big. He's setting up being okay with mass murder yeah Mm -hmm. so and there's always sort of this like he answers in a way that tries to remove himself from responsibility but internally he's like always wrestling with what his responsibility is yeah yeah and it's like but after the fact because he didn't he didn't even his heart didn't even start pounding he didn't get anxiety about the until it clicked Yeah. yeah yeah same thing with this it was too late he had already given up the plans and discovered how to how to do this bomb before yeah. the after effects it was almost place. like he it was the same thing for him as he said it would be for other people where they would he, he he always said like they wouldn't know until they actually dropped it like japan wouldn't believe them until they actually dropped it on yeah. them or like the u.s government wouldn't believe until they actually dropped it it was almost like he also couldn't believe until they actually did it because he said like he admits that it killed more people than he thought it was going to so he knew it was going to kill people but it killed even more people than he was. Oh, yeah. So he might have, like, come to terms with, like, oh, it's going to kill this many people. And, and then it was, think, like, way more. That goes along with his story arc yeah. because 
he's a scientist. He knows all these variables. He's memorized these terms, these equations, these uh, very everything, and he doesn't know how many people, how many million, how many thousands of people live in these cities. And he he doesn't know that. And he thought it was like what sixty, seventy thousand, and being over two hundred twenty or something. Yeah, like that. and and they did a good job of high. Like they talked a little bit about it, but they never brought up like what is the after effect going to be for like weeks or months from now. So when when he like. When he asked, like, well, this is how many people probably died, and he was like, you're right. However, this is how many people died in the next couple, coming weeks or months. I'd also like that, and we talked about this on the way, too. I absolutely loved that Nolan did not make Oppenheimer the good guy. So many biopics like this. Elvis, as the most recent example, kind of praised them for all the good, and then they, like, quickly throw under the rug all the awful things. That, like, I know they're about to get... That, uh, well, obviously not about, but the Michael Jackson film is coming out probably in like a year or two. Michael Jackson did a lot of awful things, but I don't think this film's going to discuss it. This kind of leaves you at the end. You're like, okay, like morally, is he good? Is he bad? Like they don't try and explain it. Like Oppenheimer's the kindest guy ever. Oppenheimer's a complete scumbag. They like, they show you all of it. Here's all of his good. Here's all of his bad flaws, and all this is yeah. who he is. And he does care. He does care about Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt, even though Shoot, I, I would think too. of them did well in this film. Oh, really? Really? I think so. I think Florence did better in this than okay. she did in a lot of stuff recently. Is there as a far as for that? Florence's <laughs> okay, role Florence this. versus this versus like Don't Worry Darling. Yes, Don't Worry oh, Darling God. is exactly what I'm thinking of, and I'm like. I don't know. Look, this I've already said better. I think she was the only good role in that. I think she was giving it her all, but it's just we not how it's over we the top. That. I said yeah. she did great. But I think Emily Blunt was just blunt in this. It yeah. She, she did a great job for what she was supposed to do. But my question was, is she just wasted the entire time? Like every scene, you just think she's just drunk. I love that we saw this and then Barbie because the wasted female character potential in Oppenheimer compared to Barbie is yeah. just drastically different. <laughs> and and Christopher Nolan's not known for his heroines, and you know it's kind of yeah. more, it's more male based. But maybe that's just how his mind thinks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it might also just be. Yeah, realistic. that's another criticism with Nolan that is like. That's and if you think <laughs> about it, it's actually true. He doesn't write good female it's characters. So That's the yeah. one he wasn't yeah. willing to barge on. The yeah. rest of it, he's like, I'm going full out. <laughs> Which I'm like, on one hand, it's like he is a guy. So like, can you really expect him to be like a brilliant writer of female characters? He yeah. might just have been like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stick with what mm-hmm. I know. But yeah, I don't know. That is one thing that people criticize him about, and I'm like, he's they're not wrong. A lot of his female characters are kind of bland. Yeah. Hey, maybe that's his next step. It's like he wasn't super great at writing characters. Now he's good at writing characters. Now we just need to make them the female characters, and then what if he does? The, go what full if he circle. does a main character female movie? That would be that'd be awesome. Interesting. If yeah. he does it right, it'll be awesome. But if not, then it'll be insufferable. I guess. I agree. It can't be like. Uh, never mind. <laughs> the, yeah. Another I, I, movie that we recently saw is that what you guys said? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. There you go. Yeah, and I, I agree with all of you guys just about the, the Oppenheimer aspect of it. Just like, yeah, so reve- the character reve- reveal, looking at it through the lens of Oppenheimer, helps us as a movie viewer to, to actually realize what his goal was in this film. Yeah. And I think I've pinned down a few goals in this film. I think a big theme of it is what is justice and what do people deserve for their actions and how accountable are you in a process of evil, you know? And I think those are some of the themes that we wrestle with. And it's very gray the entire time. It's not black and white. 
and I think Oppenheimer deals with it. But I don't think we're really getting ah, this. This is gonna sound bad. I don't think we're getting a real character study of Oppenheimer. I think we're kind of watching his life play out more than a character study, because the only thing we get of in his mind are those flash, like flashes of the shaking particles and stuff like that. So disagree or agree? Uh, no, I agree. Agree. Oh, that's it. Agree. <laughs> Good. Well, Here's that settles it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, and and it's it's good. It's really great to actually watch a character character lens for Christopher Nolan too, because the layers and layers and layers in this film is just crazy. Oh yeah, and I also want to talk about while Oppenheimer is great, the other main lead I would argue is almost a lead, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Oh yeah, this might be his best acting that I've ever seen. Yeah, I I kind of mm-hmm. agree with that. Like, don't get me wrong, he's incredible as Tony Stark, but like that's pretty much him just being himself. Yeah. Did you think about Tony Stark in this film? Never. Not no. once. Neither did I. Obviously, the first good. time you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, it's Iron Man. But I. No, the first time I saw him, I didn't even look at him as Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. For a second. Then I realized, oh, that's Robert Downey Jr. I think but, it was obvious going in, though, that all of his scenes, like all the black and white stuff, I just assumed was going to be after the fact. I thought, like, every couple scenes we'd go to the court cases. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was going to, like, some of it took place in real time. And you're just seeing his perspective, obviously from a different lens. And in animation, because we can, I think, uh, you know, specifically Spider-Man across Spider-Verse, you can do emotions and people's moods very easily because you can't do it in live action. So what do they do? Black and white. And then, I don't know, I just thought it was really well done. They also specifically created IMAX cameras that shot in black and white mm-hmm. for this. Think about having that much pool. I know, yeah. I mean, the things he's able to do, it still blows my mind that they created a black hole from nothing for Interstellar. Like, he can get away with creating a whole new system. (laughs) It's something else. That's crazy that they uh, they lit off an entire atomic bomb just for this film. I do want to know how they did that, because he says it's a very small scale, and it is. Mm. But, like, it looked pretty legit, like, in size. And so. need to use no CGI for this, right? Yeah. Allegedly, I believe it, but I just we need to, yeah. we need proof. I just love that Josh Peck got to press the button. I just love that part. That I I love how tense that was, yeah. and I'm not gonna give credit to Nolan. I want to give Ludwig credit. The music was mm-hmm. just. I don't know how mm-hmm. much you guys pay attention to music, but one of the things that Justin and I yesterday were talking about was how. It you know the beat just kept getting quicker and quicker, but in the background there's another tempo that it keeps getting slightly more offset, and it's supposed to really pull at your uh, strings. You're supposed to really freak out, and then right before he detonates it, they hit on beat again. It's like the first time they hit on beat, and then it happens, and you're like, oh, that's that's pretty perfect. And then the silence, mm-hmm. which you, that, for uh, quite a while. I that so that's great. I did talk about that yesterday. I cannot stand how in this modern blockbuster era you hear the noise before the explosion goes over it's at the same time like that's just not realistic mm. like if a bomb dropped a couple miles now we wouldn't hear it right away yeah it would take a while and you kind of knew that you were like i know there's gonna be a noise but he he like knew like you were like is wait yeah, you is think there, it's over gonna be? like it, they're not gonna be a noise yeah I was like, wait, do atomic bombs make noise? They have to make noise, right? I was like <laughs> questioning for a second. <laughs> yep. And, and then it I, was and, loud. And it was loud. Yeah. I was tensing up in my seat. I was like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. But yeah. 
No, that was a great part. And the silence really, like, made me on the edge of my seat, kind of shaking my boots a little bit. It was good. Yeah. yeah. So The whole sound design in general was great, I think. Just, like, I we talked about in the cafeteria, what is it, the cafeteria or the gymnasium or whatever, when he's giving that speech, and then all of a sudden it goes silent. You don't hear the claps. You don't hear the cheering. You just hear their feet stomping. You hear the chairs moving. Yeah. And then you hear just you just hear someone scream, and then he and, steps yeah. in the carcass. That was Crazy. great. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, but it's just yeah. I think the sound design for me was going back to the expectations part was the thing that I didn't expect to be the best part of the movie. Yeah, better than, better than J. Robert Hopper, I, in my opinion. I also really liked how the mu the music and the sound it would like peak like five minutes in. I'm like, this is kind of like how a movie typically ends. And we're in the first five minutes. And then there's the downtime. And then it just hits new highs. And you're like, I swear, this movie's about to just cut the black and end. And we're not even close to done. Like, they did an excellent job at, like, making the stakes feel real. The music really having an emotional pull. And then again, to the sound design, just, like, particular moments that you're like, this is just outstanding. Mm-hmm. And you always expect yeah, it. But I think that... Since Cornfield Chase is like the peak of Hans Zimmer and Nolan together, everyone acts like we're never going to surpass that. I don't think that we've had a musical score that surpassed it, but this is on a sound level. It's easily his best film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, going into that, what would you say is your favorite part of the film, personally? It's a tough question. Probably the ending, honestly. I agree. That last going line back. is cold as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the last, the last part. I like the bomb going off, but I th- I think it feels empty without the en- without the ending. Okay. Any yeah. part where he says the iconic lines like "I am death, the destroyer of worlds," she's like, "Oh, God. you just yeah, said I it." Yeah. I'm death. Yep. <laughs> and that was really good. Yeah. I think yeah. So there are three acts you can see. There are t- the first two acts are right up until the bomb. Then right after that, you still have an hour until the end of the film, and mm-hmm. that's all the courtroom drama, right? Yeah, I'd say it's more like an epilogue, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. And that's when you get the reveal, so he does kind of do a twist in a sense, which he's kind of known for doing twists mm-hmm. yeah, with prestige and whatnot and Inception. But but it's like a different kind of twist. Yeah. It's not like a... It's know, a real-life twist. It you, ain't coming out yeah. of nowhere. You can see you know. how, he, how he progresses you from thinking Strauss is like sort of a friend of Oppenheimer. Like the way... It's like a little bit of manipulation, like mm-hmm. the way that he acts. Like at the start of the movie, you don't really get what their relationship yeah. is and then it just like progresses further and further <laughs> oh i have i thought of one complaint the character i don't even know what his name is who's like the aide to strauss he's like oh younger uh, guy. P- played by um alden ehrenreich yeah i liked him i mean i liked him but you didn't really understand i who didn't he understand was. i was like the only point of this character how is he talking to strauss the way that he is that's richard he, Feynman. He acts like mathematician. He acts yeah. like he. Oh, Richard. again, there, there's he backstory like he, with these characters we don't know. He's he acts like he like is on uh, the same level as Strauss, but he's just an aide. So he and he almost acts like he's on Oppenheimer's side. I, I think is. I think it's because he is after he realizes what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. But then again, he has no power. He can't like bring it out. So when obviously, uh. Okay. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting his name. But I was like, he's just a, yeah. fo- a kind of like a. They needed him to reveal. He's kind of like a plot Fair mechanism enough. of the character. I mean, yeah, but I, did he reveal anything? No, he's just he was the. It's p- just kind of the eyes that we looked through to see that. Yeah, we're yeah. kind of on his side. Yeah. yeah, 
That's what I'm saying. I mean, I guess I don't know how else they would have done it, yeah. so it's fine. I just was like, would this character exist in real life? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I I would say to your point as well. I I I love obviously how Nolan plays with time, how we see things always out of order. But I think my favorite twist was that he wasn't really he he didn't see any of this coming. Like you see from rdj's perspective like oh they were talking about me he's plotting against me he's doing this to get under my skin and like he really isn't so like when all of this starts going down to the cia or whatever like he's just shocked he's like who's doing this but then like his wife the whole time doesn't trust him and then finally in that last scene where he's like maybe they weren't even talking about you at all and then we get to hear what they actually are talking about and you're like so it's from three different perspectives of obviously his wife was always right and she was wildly mistreated. That's like another story. And then you have By Nolan and him. Yeah. <laughs> then you have Oppenheimer, whose whole character is that, like you were saying, or I think you were saying, kind of like how he he tries to remove himself a little bit from everything, like all the consequences. Yeah. And then you have this guy who's just so obsessed with Oppenheimer and bringing him down, and kind of like he hates me, he hates me, but he doesn't necessarily. He doesn't care about him the way that he thinks he did. Yeah. They make the point at the end that Strauss is really self, also self, like he has a huge He's self-obsessed, yeah. Because it really does, go, he says it goes back to when he made fun of him, or like when he made made him look foolish about the shipping the um, isotopes. isotopes to Norway, but it really goes back to his shoemaker comment, I think. Is I the agree, point yeah. Wow, today. I never yeah. put that together. Yeah, that's a good way yeah. to put it. Ben, this is why you're great. I, I mean... I don't what would we do with that? Because that moment oh, really okay. is like he's like, oh, just a shoemaker, and that subtle comment is what planted. Tick, yeah. Even though Strauss was like complimenting him and saying he wanted him for the job, that's what it took for him to yeah. be upset at him. I'd say same too, where he's like, you know, when we first see. Um, also, I, I well because we're talking about um, Albert Einstein. I love how they treated it like a big Marvel cameo, like it's a big deal. But when he's like, "Do you want me to introduce you?" and he's like, "No, I've, I've I've known him for years." And then you know he goes out to talk to him, and he's like ticked. He's like, "Dude, come on!" So then he follows him out there, and then that's where like it starts. You know, I, especially at the end. One of the I don't know if you heard it. There's there's some of the teenage guys in front of us when like. If I'm remembering correctly, doesn't like a car go by and Albert Einstein is like just standing right there and he starts walking towards him? The group, oh, that one? Yeah, oh, yeah. The group of guys yep. was like, yeah! <laughs> Let's go. Back. Yeah. And it's so funny because, at least not to my knowledge, he's not an actor that's very well known. No, but Tom everybody's Conti. just like, Tom Conti? Yeah. He's fantastic, though. Yeah. But he's perfect, born to play this role. Yeah. Everybody just 85 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's born. It reminded me of, of old Steve Rogers. With Falcon, especially when they're walking through the forest, I'm like, is he just be chilling on a bench? He was or something? he was nominated for an Academy Award in yeah he's 19, he's pretty well known. 1983. Okay. Yeah, he's Dang. he was pretty well known. He recent, but never you know. heard of that movie. Interesting. That's a goal right there. Just become an actor, almost get an Academy Award, and then when you're an old guy, nobody knows who you are, but you show up as some historical figure, and people are just like, yeah. I wouldn't. So. I would say Albert Einstein was like the he was the Tony Stark cameo but even like yeah. Bohr and heisenberg like people who have watched breaking bad at least know that name you know they're oh there was a lot of jesse jesse jokes the whole time <laughs> and he said like new mexico within like the next sentence over yeah. it was like yeah, exactly. walter white new mexico <laughs> yeah. heisenberg it's all coming together christopher nolan breaking bad yeah. crossover <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome by the way but 
No, yeah. And what do you guys think about um, Matt Damon as Leslie Groves, General Re- Leslie Oh, Groves. I forgot about him. Look, I think he did good. He did fine. Fine. It, That's it. it. It, he reminded me of his his almost exact portrayal in Air, which was kind of funny because I'm like, is that the, the way, Michael Jordan? Yeah, like the way he like he. Uh, first off, Matt Damon always does an incredible job. I'm not giving, I'm not going to discredit him. He did fantastic in this movie. But every time he was yelling, I'm like, I just feel like if I close my eyes, we'd be back in Portland right now in Nike HQ. I didn't see that movie, so I can't really exactly. It's, but he's ve- it's very you. similar. Characters, I trust you, but yeah. Who's the guy who um? Who was that? Like security, he was like head of security, and he was like the sort of um, yeah. Ken, it's, I think it's Kenneth Nichols. He played by Den DeHaan. No, not Nichols. Nichols was good too, but it, he was he was in a smaller role. Oh, but I don't know. Where you know when Oppenheimer gives like the small detail about the guy who might be on the communist side, and then they his bring brother? him back for the meeting. Was it his brother? No, it was not. Ken- oh, Kenneth you're Rodden's talking about uh, Rami Malek's character? No, no, no. no. Ken- okay, Kenneth, this uh, is just too confusing. Kenneth, Kenneth I'm, I'm not talking about any of these characters. Kenneth Branagh does play that character. Yeah, that's who you're talking about, right? No, I don't think it's Kenneth Branagh. He was, he played the character that came back during the Christmas party. Is that the guy? Nope, that's about? not the guy. He was great, by the way. Are you talking about the one they yeah, bring in to like, the court? No, later? no. Yeah, they do bring him into the court. It's He's not a Rami security Malik? guy. It's not no, not that court. Other court, monkey, the circus court. More important business <laughs> oh, to attend to. Um, yeah, we can, Benny oh, Safdie, Casey, Casey Affleck. Oh yeah, oh it was Casey Affleck. Casey I think, Affleck. I think it was. Yeah. Okay, there you go. How yeah, I wasn't expecting Casey Affleck, Affleck to be as in there. Borish. Yes, Prosh. Borish. That's the that's exactly yeah, what I'm talking okay, about. I didn't know he was good. Him. He yeah, was really good. He was intimidating. Yeah, he was like this. He was secretly working for another yeah but you're absolutely right benny safty was in this movie and he has a special place in our heart why why does he have a special place (laughs) because that was our first movie we reviewed was directed by them called good time and he's in that as well yeah so he the accent was pretty awful that's i i I can say that i feel like yeah but he's awesome he's great benny safty he plays edward teller who's actually one of the smartest people in this film yeah and he does a great job in it as well Um, and obviously he wasn't the spy but the movie kind of tries to establish with how he looks in the way that no one trusts him like he's going to be the spy and he wasn't yeah maybe this is a hot take but i think he looks more like elvis than austin butler does i highly disagree but yeah i also highly disagree (laughs) yeah Uh, it's a hot take then but i think i I think he looks more like elvis than austin does let me throw another hot take there i think i do think killian murphy does look like oppenheimer but to your point i think margot robbie would have been really good as well (laughs) As Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer, yeah, uh, that might be a hot take. No, I'm kidding. Hot. Take. I just, I just, <laughs> I get it. I get, I get it. Yeah, I just disagree. <laughs> was Robert Downey Jr. good in this? I mean, we said you said oh, yeah. it's his best role ever. I'm I asking, think he was the best acting. Could he be cast? Could someone else be casted? I think someone else. I think someone else. Yeah. yeah, easily. I think casted. De Niro could yeah. have done it. I, sh- I think it should have been De Niro. I think anybody could have played any of these roles, but like I think no, it's the Killian Murphy. Killian, was, Killian Murphy was his, born to play Oppenheimer. Yeah. Do you think Brad Pitt could do Oppenheimer? No, no, it'd be yes, cute. but it would be really distracting. Yeah. No, he couldn't do Oppenheimer. <laughs> he really, he couldn't. Not at all. Could Christian Bale do Oppenheimer? He could make himself skinny. That's what I think. Yeah, but I I don't, I don't know, know how it would look, but he maybe could. His face is too recognizable as so many other characters, like. Killian Murphy too is also recognizable, but never as a lead. So like for the That's rest what of his life, Zach and I did talk about this. This yeah. is he's gonna be Oppenheimer before Scarecrow. Does mm-hmm. this take right, Killian yeah. Murphy's career to another level? Hopefully, yeah, I think because he was amazing. Yes, yeah. I think yes. I don't know no. they talked about it enough, but why now? Uh, the only reason I'm gonna say no is he's not like 
compared to a lot of other actors, he's not always out there to do all of these roles. So I'd like to see him in more roles. I wonder if that's by choice, though. I think it is by choice. But that's why I'm saying it elevates him, because he's more likely... He's very selective in what he chooses. ...to be in something... It's more like, are there directors available to so meet Joaquin his criteria? Phoenix. It's like, it's like, yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like Joaquin Phoenix. How he he's in bad films, but Joaquin Phoenix only does things that he like has a, a vision for, and he relates with the directors. Like you know, I'll throw him under the bus because I feel like I can. But you can use several different actors. Um, respectfully, Brad Pitt, as great as he is, he's in some pretty trash stuff. Yeah, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would agree. But, <laughs> I'd agree. But but he just sorry. No, it's a good movie. What are you talking sorry. about? Sorry. But they just take every role. Like you can't tell me Bullet Train was a passion project. Oh yeah. But I, he's great I, in I th- it. I, I think disagree. I think Brad Pitt <laughs> I, I think for as good as Brad Pitt is, I don't think he has the I think there's another level of actor that it takes to do like something like Oppenheimer. Yeah. I don't know that Brad Pitt has that. And I don't even think it's necessarily an A-list actor or actress that can play these particular roles. It's I mean, like th- think about Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's not that good looking, yeah. or he Daniel wasn't. He wasn't that good looking. I'm, I, may he rest in peace. But what about Daniel? Day Daniel Day Lewis, same way. But they just have the um, this sort of like, like I don't know how to even describe like, it. Like you this know, ability. they smell nice. <laughs> no, that's what? not. That's not <laughs> what? He, he was he was referring to my cook. hand motions. <laughs> yeah, but they they have this like a uh, deeper level of understanding that really comes out in like their face and their actions and everything. Yeah, just to be able to yeah. be that character. We could say even that just taking Joaquin Phoenix again, but yeah, I even think I think Barry was it Keen, Keoghan? Keoghan. I think he's an up and coming. Oh, for like sure. That. I yeah. think he's got he's got the chops for it. I think Killian Murphy is selective. I mm-hmm. completely agree with you. I think his next big thing isn't a big movie like this. I think he does another small limited series or small independent movies. But I think is he will be. I think it's going to shoot him up the, the ladder pretty quickly yeah. for big roles. I'm thinking like if a big director who's independent. 90-year-old Mar- Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I could see if – I don't know how many more Martin Scorsese is going to do. But I could see – because obviously – now that Dune 2 is about to pass, like, Denis has already mentioned that he's going to be working on, like, another big project that's probably going to be bigger than this. I could see him casting Dang. Killian because, like, he's – I would argue he's, like, top three directors currently that is, like, of that age range. Hmm. Yeah, I agree, too. I – you know, the, the tough part about Christopher Nolan films is you have so much talent and only so much screen time. Really, yeah. Every, every actor who has said a line in this is so much talent. Yeah, it, like I think of Rami Malek, who had like 10, 20 lines in this. In this I would film. say less than that. He didn't talk till the very end. Yeah, yeah. A lot of yeah. scenes, he's just standing there and dropping things, and you're like, you can I, was like I hope they make him talk. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my favorite actors of all time, and he he plays David Hill, but he did. I mean, he did great. It's just like you just do what you just show up. Yeah, that's it. That's really it's it. like Wes Anderson, but on a larger scale. Oh, for sure. Yeah. People do it because they love it. They love him. They love yeah. the director. They don't like do it for a much money. bigger budget because okay here's an I, I keep getting on these like thoughts but Christopher Nolan is the only guy right now I would argue who can make this film and make it this big of a deal. Would the you, only yeah. one who can do a summer blockbuster about scientists. Yes, I I feel like there's if, nobody if, else who can do that, right? 
I mean, if Spielberg came back at a big no, level like Spielberg this, he didn't like come this. back. He, he couldn't come. I mean, Spielberg he, is not Christopher Nolan. No, Christopher Nolan's got skill. The first person that that's, that's that sounded bad. That sounded bad. Uh, sorry, I know you read say. I think that uh, specifically uh, Steven Spielberg is good at making big blockbuster films. Jaws. But like Christopher Nolan's making, I wouldn't really argue. I'm talking he's about in many. the current, yeah, right in now, current, yeah, it's gonna be him. I, like because, I mean, Steven Spielberg invented the summer blockbuster. Yeah. Like, there's no doubting his capability. He made so many blockbusters. And now he just kind of produces. But Christopher Nolan made science science exciting to the general public. Yeah, I'd say Bill Nye did that for me, but you know, okay. like, fair enough. That. Fair but, enough. Yeah. But yeah. Bill Nye had a different medium to do that. But That's it's true. even it's even bigger than that. We all Zach and I always talk about how it's always like franchises are being pushed as the only thing for blockbusters, like. Even with the Barbie movie that we're about to review, it's like it's still it's not a franchise, but it's it's gonna a, kickstart one. It's a product. There will be a Ken movie. Yeah, there'll be a Ken movie. It's like this and this, that, and the other. Christopher Nolan Alan can take movie. something that he's genuinely interested in and just make it his. And and now that like, and I guess you say Scorsese can do that or Tarantino can do that, but they, especially Tarantino, kind of like. Fan. They kind of go into their niche and like yeah. their fans will like it, but it's not like for, no one is for the public. No one has mastered the like broad appeal that you need for the blockbuster, yeah. but yeah. still gone into his like interests and things that he's actually interested in. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. the only one that can be truly independent and make big money. Yeah. And gets the budgets like dude could ask for anything and they're like, absolutely, whatever you want. But that mm-hmm. because he built this reputation, mm-hmm. that's the only yeah. reason. And that's such yeah. a difficult line to go across because you got to worry about like upsetting your own audience, your own uh, fans, and then also like letting down studios and you got to work with bigger, you know, bigger names. It just it, mm-hmm. it's a tough it's a tough career to build, but he did it. And thank goodness, because he got to the point where he could make this. Yeah, I think like my first thought. Like of like another director taking control of it would be someone like Scorsese, but then looking at how the movie panned out, it would just be such a like it'd be a good movie, but it'd be such a boring movie yeah. if it was done by any of them. Like you, you I actually agree. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree with that. It'd be I so boring. Be boring. But because of the music and because of Nolan's artistic like style, like like the way he constructed the movie, I was like constantly engaged, and I was constantly like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Even though I know the bomb's gonna drop it's like i was just constantly hooked just by his style and again like the music is and the sound design it's like another like really big part of what makes the music the movie work but i'm just i'm picturing in my mind how someone like scorsese or deville new or tarantino would make it and it just it wouldn't michael be bay. very good tarantino no. would not michael make bay, it. Michael bay Tar- would make Tar- all blow up. <laughs> yeah there's Tar- explosions when he's like pouring in chemicals and it's like tarantino <laughs> would be like uh we actually set off a nuclear bomb in germany and yeah. like he would be like changing history <laughs> tarantino wouldn't do a good job honestly i kind of want to see a tarantino oppenheimer <laughs> that'd be, oppenheimer that'd be would be a badass that's for sure oh yeah i think yeah. every one of those directors you just named would do a great job but it would be very different I think I think Very the movie different. would be good. I agree. But Scorsese I, would be boring in this. Scorsese yes. would be boring. I think he did, would do it much more like structured. structured do you think yeah. no one's the only one concerned with the moral implications of the bomb? No. no. No, of course but not. But I think artistically the way... I, I it would guess. Be, yeah, it's artistically it would be very different. Because you look at if Denis did it, it would be the most gorgeous movie you've ever seen. But that doesn't yeah. mean this... Like, this is... This has some very 
gorgeous moments, but it's mostly character driven. So in my opinion, there were certain shots in this movie that I was just blown away with, not because they look cool, but because of all the implications of like the scenes yes. for it. Yeah, that's fair. But do you think that Christopher Nolan, above the other directors mentioned, goes into the moral implications of the bomb? Yes. Just because I think if if Martin Scorsese were going to do it, he he makes every he makes everything about mobsters. It's not morals. I'm just saying like no never well, Italian I, mob I think, bosses. I think he is a moral director, but. The, the thing about Scorsese is it's much more like I'm painting you, I'm showing you what the, moral the actions is. and the consequences. Yes. And I'm not showing you, I'm not showing you the the wrestling. Every it's just every a film rise that, and fall every kind film of thing. that Scorsese has has a different moral structure that he sets up, and it has different values and implications because of that. Sorry, go ahead. I think every Scorsese movie could be it would be a really messed up grandpa but a grandpa just like with his grandson like sitting on his lap just reading to him a storybook because it's always narrated there's always like like oh and i did this and like oh there was uncle bill he made them sleep with the fishes and then you see it happen in front of you and it's it's very much it's it's its own thing and it's really good but if you watched oppenheimer with that it would just be incredibly boring yeah personally that's how i feel okay i can i can i can go with that yeah 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 yeah, and, and Denis, I don't think I think Denis too abstract. There's too, always it, there's always a hidden too, meaning. The, just, yeah. the explosions would look so beautiful though. Yeah, they would. Yeah, but he's yeah. too abstract, or he has to base it on some sort of work of fiction, like he is with Dune. And it would be CG. just thinking of something like Enemy yeah. that like makes very little little sense on initial viewing. I or, I've he, seen it three times and I still don't fully well, get it. You know, and that's what I'm saying. It's very abstract. It's yeah. not. It's, he's okay. not like somebody who's going to be do, tackling something that's concrete anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a question. So, sorry to keep being the one to ask the questions, but we're hosting, so that's true. I, so, I, there was a scene where he looks at a Pablo Picasso painting. Does he see his work as art? That's such a. Good oh, question. you're talking about that scene? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I took away from the scene. Uh, and also, that was like, bef- like that was before everything kind of went down. But it's also like set after everything went down. I think it was just used as a metaphor of like. You're not supposed to really take it literal, but then once the movie's over, it's kind of like. I think it's exactly what the apple was. Yeah. But a different aspect of the character. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how to describe it because it's not like. Oh, sorry. I was saying like it for him. It it seemed more than an ambition. It seemed more than a project to to mm-hmm. kind of pursue. It seemed like he really enjoyed it. Almost like go back to Heisenberg and Breaking yeah. Bad. Like at the end of the show, he says, "I did this for me." I didn't do this for you. Yeah. But I started Spoilers for, for Breaking Bad. Whatever. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Whatever, man. Yeah. I don't care. I really don't care. And well, I hope I hope you got I hope every single listener got spoiled. Because it's so annoying yeah. if they haven't seen if it. You haven't seen it at this point. Somebody no. dies in that show, by the way. <laughs> Big name character. Somebody. It's bald. Might be everyone. The main character has cancer is a science teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's at, he actually he makes a cameo 50, in he this. He breaks yeah. bad. He breaks bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a Jesse character. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think it's just he's showing that like this is what his mind has always been attracted to. Mm-hmm. He has these particles moving his brain constantly. I wish I had that curse, but then I don't also yeah. because it would be terrible. And he just goes so – the further he goes into it, the more he, he falls in love with the process. Yeah. He gets this team together. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the head of the Manhattan Project. Why would he – who would ever want he, to yeah. – nobody wanted. That's why the general went to him. That's why Matt Damon went to him because he knew that he was egotistical enough to be able to control yeah, him. You're yeah. right. You're right. right. Yeah. I, 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 I do think I forgot to mention this too. I just love the fact that like obviously it is his pride and joy, but very rarely in the movie does he think about what's gonna happen after the fact. So like just the absolute terror 
the rest of the movie, like, I just created the most destructive thing known to man, which is, like, really scary. But then you think earlier, one of my biggest – one of the scenes I didn't think was handled too well is I'm blanking on his name right now, the dude who never aged, no matter how many times I went into the future. Um, but he, when, it, when he goes to him and he's like, I don't think I can be a part of the project. I don't want to be responsible for all of these lives. And within, like, one minute, he changes his mind. Oh, Lawrence, yeah. The, but the bigger Oppenheim, guy with yeah, the glasses. Oppenheimer never yeah. once, like, considers exactly what he's telling. Like, he's, he's concerned, like, we could kill everybody. And he's like, no, I, we're focusing on the vision. We have these four different sectors. Like, mm. this is what we got to do. Again, he just didn't think about – like, he thought about it, but it, it, it didn't really hit him until after things went down. I'm like – that was fantastic, and and going back to the whole painting thing, like he he admires everything he does as a as a art. Like this is just gonna change the lives of everyone. But it was, and I think that's why they showed it before, and not after the explosion, because I would like to have seen the same scene again after the fact, but with more of that, just horror. Like oh my gosh, what did I do? Type of thing. Yeah. And it was an abstract painting. I'm wondering why they chose Picasso. And I'm thinking because his thoughts about it are pretty abstract, you know, mm-hmm. they're pretty literal with the abstract metaphor, which is counterintuitive. But it's it's cool because I think his idea of the bomb is just this, it's just a concept. It's just something he wants to go into intellectually. And they talk about this, like, what's the difference between intellectual genius and, like, actually being a good genius? Like, con- like conceptual and action. You know, he talks about, like, there's the theoretical physics and then there's the actual experimental physics and you have to know what the difference is. For him, he's going, he's pursuing so far in the theoretical and then the other people who are like, calm down Oppenheimer are the ones who are doing the actual experiments because sometimes those results are different. Everybody in science knows that. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to think that like, Oppenheimer went down that path so far to the point where he wasn't considering the future implications of what he did. Even when going back to the Apple example where he didn't consider that until it was too late. Yeah. And then he had to go in and try to fix his mistake. Whereas with the, whereas he said his the different mistake for this, which Albert Einstein told him at the lake, is that once you let, once this is out in the world, it can't be back. It's like toothpaste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like Pandora's box. Yeah. Ben loves using that phrase. He used <laughs> I remember in a podcast he used it like three different times <laughs> in three different Pandora. contexts and I didn't did, realize. I did. I did it's, a, it's a good box. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's like any time, it, it's too. sort of a one size fit all metaphor. Yeah. Same with uh, mentioning Quentin Tarantino, which on the last podcast Gosh, I said, I, I said, that up. I said I would uh, try not to bring him up, and I brought him up like three or four times <laughs> on this podcast at, alone. At some point, we need to have some sort of like trial where like Ben and I will support Tarantino, and you guys just tear him down. I feel like. Do you not like Tarantino? You didn't I love lo- Tarantino. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I just don't like Once Upon a Time. Do you not like him as a person? Or do you yeah, like I, I don't like him as a person. Okay, well, that's different. See, person. You, that different. I like people who I, are so egotistical in their in their films. As, as Ever listen to yeah. Quentin Tarantino? He's, like, so insufferable, but yeah, I love I it. Love as it. a director, I think he's very over... I mean, we're just, this is a whole other conversation for another I think time. Pulp Fiction changed the landscape for... I agree. That's probably my favorite of his films. But I, don't I, know. I think pretty much everyone essay on Pulp Fiction in my college essay. I think pretty much every Tarantino film is a hit. Same. Well, except Mostly. Jackie Brown. Jackie Mostly. Brown's a hit, though. Jackie Brown is a is a. Hit. Pretty sure you gave it three out of five. Jackie stars, Brown is then. it it bored. Oh, what do you mean, like hit, like for you personally, or a no? Hit, like if like, I think about Jackie like Brown, fan. like if I give it a rethink, okay. <laughs> it actually is a really good movie. Okay, it's just like compared to other Tarantino movies, I might not rate it as high. Yeah, but I think it actually me. is. 
a pretty good movie. I think the most controversial will always forever be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because when that came out, it was divisive to begin with. I yeah. love it. but I still love it. I, I that was the second fine. one we reviewed, Ben. That's what we need to have the fight about. Exactly. Yeah, Once you, we already kind of had that fight, me and Zach. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's a common Although movie. we could, I could probably articulate my point more now. Yeah, so I could I. That, so. Yeah. Yeah, that was episode two. Ben and so, I still love each yeah. other. We're we're still good friends. I remember that episode somehow very by well. the grace of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Ben and I would rip each other to shreds back then. But yeah, yeah. Now we like agree now you guys more. are just ripped and shredded. <laughs> now we just go into the intellectual <laughs> philosophy of a movie. You know. Yeah. Anyway, Nolan. Um, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, Ben's like, oh, I shouldn't have brought Quentin Tarantino. Got us off track. Well, that's I should just have a segment I think of every that's the podcast. Time, actually, <laughs> ben, ben, you're banned from Quentin Tarantino for the next four podcasts. Okay, even if we <laughs> even if we review a Quentin Tarantino film, you can't bring him up. Some <laughs> random actor, some random guy. But no, yeah, so many great things in this film. It's hard to unpack because all the layers. I think of two different court cases happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one in that makeshift room, the other one in the black and white with Strauss. Um, and it's interesting to see Oppenheimer in, in on trial, kind of like, quote unquote, it's not really a trial. And then Strauss actually kind of, quote unquote, not on trial. But the, yeah, and they both flip. The burden of proof. Yeah. You realize how important the burden of proof is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. They're both in the, it is so ironic how Strauss gets himself in the same situation that he put Oppenheimer yeah. in. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's almost like the punishment fits the crime. Yeah. Which is exactly. why I think this is about justice. I think that Oppenheimer's crime is and his punishment for his crime is just like ambiguity. Yeah. I'd say the best That's part about point. that as well is that we never see Oppenheimer in any of his in any of those like final scenes. In that like some directors would have like ended the movie where like he walks out of that room and right in the corner you like see Oppenheimer just like smiling or something corny like that. But we never we never get the resolution between the two of them. We never get like one to be like I told you or nothing like that. It's just yeah. well he yeah. said she's a type of situation. Yeah. And it was just uh, great. Okay, we took a little break. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for all I'm glad you're good. <laughs> I have a question for all of you. Was this the best night in cinema history for 2023? Oh, for 2023. <laughs> okay, for history. <laughs> for history. Of well, the year. <laughs> I feel like you, you wanted to go all the way, and then you just went. <laughs> I kind of backtracked a little bit. Yeah. No, I'm, but really, this is Barbenheimer. It's the biggest event of the mm. 2023 movie. It might be. Season. It might be of this, like the this decade, this current decade that we're in. I can't think Whoa. of a back to like the same. I don't day know. Release. I cringe at that. Just because, not at what you say, because you're great. But I'm saying like, <laughs> the, <laughs> that specific aspect, because I feel like there will. It's Avengers Endgame. Was that? But there wasn't another big movie. That was 2019, wasn't it? That's what I mean, yeah. That was 2019. I would say Avengers Endgame had to have been bigger than this. No, 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 no. I know. I'm talking about... I'm just thinking in my head. But I'm talking about two big blockbuster films in the same day. Has there ever been anything like this? Ever? That's actually a good question. The most recent, and it was a potential, was... I, I, I was talking about this earlier, dude, but I still can't remember. Tenet was obviously supposed to release in July. And there was another movie that was supposed to release in July that was going to be on the same day. So and maybe it's came, just a Nolan thing. That came late in That came in late August or September. And it was like one of the five movies that released in 2020. Yeah. And that's interesting. I, maybe another aspect to ask about that is, did these, did these films complement each other? N- no. Well, we'll get into Barbie on our stuff. I'm going to say yes and no. Uh, one thing that we talked about on our, one of our latest episodes, though, is that this is just such a crowded summer that let's say Blue Beetle came out the same day as Oppenheimer. Oh it would still be a big deal. 
No, it wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it would be a big deal. <laughs> not to no. that. Not to this. No, level. it would not be a big. Not deal. even to any standards. I don't think I Blue think, Beetle will be big, even if it was by itself in the middle oh, of the desert. Oh, it's projected to make like $13 million Yeah, well, the weekend. Flash That's was projected sad. to make so much more. And it really $100 million. I, I didn't even know The Flash came out. Yeah. I think the only movie that would have been just as big of a deal is, let's say, uh, Mission Impossible came out the same day. Like, imagine Tom Cruise going back-to-back -back with Nolan. Now, I still don't think so, because, I mean, I know Mission Impossible is, like, kind of a big deal, but... I didn't even hear really people talk about that. Yeah, well, did you see? Maybe him? I'm just isolating myself. No, dude, no, Mission Impossible is doing well. Yeah, I know it's uh, doing well. It's not doing great. They were way too confident. They were saying opening weekend 100 to 120 million, and it made like 88 on a on a five day weekend. So it wasn't even just a regular oh, three day week. Yeah, this movie's gonna lose. Yeah, a lot. I didn't I think that. it's I gonna just, lose a lot of money just based on peripheral like response to the movie. Like, I don't hear people talking about going to see Mission Impossible. Yeah. You hear everybody talking about barbie and oppenheimer i i think the reason it's such a big deal is just based on the fact that these are two different genres two different audiences but they're both audiences that are call, all coming together on one collective day one of my friends works at a theater and he told me earlier this is what i was going to bring up they counted they had over four thousand individual people come through today alone that's like insane to yeah. think about hmm. and to the film bros Let's be honest. Casting Ryan Gosling was perfect because was. all film bros like him. All film bros also Casting like Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie was also but perfect, Margot yeah. Robbie is a big deal to everyone. Like everybody knows who she is. Not I mean not every I mean everyone kind of I mean, knows who Ryan Gosling is. She's had a lot Gosling of misses is. in terms of Lately. like movies she has. that she's been in. But it's not her fault. It's no. just how it is. Like yeah. the Damien Chazelle movie that kind of bombed. But uh, Babylon. Babylon. Well, and yeah. uh, Amsterdam also bombed. Yeah. So it's like I like. You Amsterdam, would think those though. would be good movies to pick. But she just happened to be in ones that weren't good by those directors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so. Barbie, one of the biggest toy icons of all time, great director, and very just a very intriguing. Yeah, I mean, oh, we're now we're just skipping into the next episode. Yeah. But, but then you compare that to Nolan. Concept. Like those are yeah. two. I would say, of the history of this year, this is going to be the best weekend. It's projected to be the biggest weekend. Of the year, I'm so. just wondering why that happened. There have been many. I'm sure there have been many Fridays where two different types of movies have come out. Why Barbie and why Oppenheimer? They're They're so been, starkly different, though. Just more than usual. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's been a big deal for a while. Like as soon as people realized that it was coming out on the same day. Yeah. Greta Gerwig doesn't yeah. have the reputation as Christopher Nolan. This is. Greta but she's got, she's gonna get there. She's film. gonna get there one day, I believe. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I know if she she'll get too. to Christopher Nolan level, but she'll get. Yeah, more well yeah. done. I mean, she's this making a help. name for herself, especially with her. And no, I'm just saying, why, why, why her? It could have been. I'm just thinking, like there are so many, there are so many possibilities in my head. Why these two films? I, I, because I think, yeah. it, I think what you're saying, Ike, is like it's literally the mass murder of hundreds of thousands of people, and then Barbie. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I can't think of. You can't think of more start, it, it really just depends, though. I think the only level of comparison this year you can give it is when Spider Man came out. Everyone was in the theaters to see that opening week. Everyone was in the theater. I mean, people are still in the theaters to see that movie. That movie is made bank. Oh, yeah. And was was that a better theater experience or this? Oh. And we'll get into the Barbie. I'm talking about Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. compared to Oppenheimer Barbie? compared to, oh, to Spider-Man Spider or any other summer blockbuster we've seen. For me, for me, I still think Spider-Man because my expectations were so low. Why? I just, I just didn't care. Wow. I, I again, it, it's. I knew it's it was going to be really good. It was the superhero. That's the thing. I knew it was going to be great, but I think it was the superhero fatigue. 
I kind of forgot yeah. it was a part one. It was on the tail end of a lot of bad superhero movies. So, like, give you that. for me, that was the better overall experience because I came out of that like, wow. But this I knew was going to be great. We were excited. I was, I mean, I was probably, you could probably tell I was getting real hyped. Mm. And it was great. But there's a difference between coming out of Spider-Man where, like, it's going to be all I think about over the next year because it's part one. I just want to see what happens. And this was just, it's nice to see Nolan return to form. It's nice to see, all, you know. And yeah. it's not as big of a deal as Spider-Man because Spider-Man is going to make way more money in its opening weekend. To me, it's a bigger deal. Though. It's a big. I I would argue like, for us yeah. and in like the world group, I live yeah. in, Oppenheimer feels like a way bigger deal. But I get that yes. in the overall world, yeah. Yeah. Spider-Man will always rated our film to a PG family film. Like yeah. one's gonna yeah. win, you know. But I think just to go into it more and more, uh, the more and more I will watch Oppenheimer, and I'll probably watch it again in theaters. I missed a ton. It goes by so fast. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, the more I watch it, the more I think I'm gonna fall in love with it. I think I, it's like, yeah. I think it's like a woman. <laughs> uh, yeah. Expound. You That's don't need it. to. I think it makes sense. I would agree <laughs> only because I watched. <laughs> like, Where's he gonna go with this? <laughs> no, I ended. I ended right after that. Yeah. All right, all right. I, I'm trying to think of films that I've watched again on repeat. I watched John Wick on repeat. It got better. Guardians. I think I saw. Four days in a row, and it Third got one? yeah, and it four got four days in a row. Yeah, yeah I just you watched kept, it four times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's at a different level than us. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't uh, Spider Man was the same. I mean, I think there are like five or six movies this year that I've saw on repeat viewing. Oppenheimer, I'm not like I said earlier when we were about to drop. I don't think I'm gonna watch it this week again, but I'm gonna go back. It's like a big pill. Yeah. It it's it's one of those films that I don't so yeah. good when it goes down the colon. <laughs> That's like a big <laughs> opioid pill. <laughs> I was thinking big in other ways, but we we can go into that in Barbie because you know it'll be a little there, more there you this go. phallic building. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. that was funny. That was a funny line. But yeah, no. Yeah. Thank you for joining us in the movie vault. It's been a pleasure. Um, pleasure doing this, and hopefully yeah. we'll do another uh, one maybe this year or next year. We'll see. We probably will. Yeah, I, we I'll I'll ask the final question. Are we gonna all gonna say this is the best movie of the year so far? Because I think it is. Oh, I agree, one hundred percent. And I do love Spider Man and uh, Across the Spider Verse yeah. Part yeah. One. I but love it. I don't know, but how this s- movie, yeah, yeah. Listen, is guys. incredible. Ben Cinema is back. Cinema Look, is back. I don't know if you we guys just have... need more people than Christopher Nolan yeah. on this stage. Yeah, yeah, yes. I hope he paves the ground. I hope he's not the last, the, ho- the last holdover. He's not. He's not. There's going to be directors ten years, twenty years from now that we're going to be. Like, hopefully, Giselle they're not the last. Is still young. True. That's true. He's had some. He couldn't direct though. Oppenheimer though. No, but... he likes jazz too much. You're looking at them right now. <laughs> these these boys. That is right actually here, true. That, that, <laughs> let us all go. And, and we change. will leech off you your entire career. So just so you know, there, we'll, yeah. we'll make it happen. Hey, we sh- you guys should come on our podcast here soon. Actually, yeah. come to think mm. of it, maybe How we about, should. Maybe these will release the same day or something like that. Maybe. Maybe. Dude, that'd be crazy if that. Could we make that work? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, thank you so much. Uh, it's been such a pleasure, guys. And yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. about to go into tears. And I'm crying yeah. right now. They and can see me. I crying. don't know when the next time we're gonna talk to you is. Yeah, yeah so Ike's stripping right now for some reason. We have. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> we have our annual uh, life update too. Mine was that I ate a burger this year, so. Which is still surprising me yeah. so much, but at the same time, not yeah. at all. Yeah. But anyway, so, how would you guys like to close the vault? Uh, with two hands. Nice. One of mine, <laughs> one of yours. Together, we shall close the can vault. Can Ben and I each support an elbow? 
Uh, you guys can like give us like a shoulder rub maybe while we're doing it. Would that work? I guess. You guys can do the shoulder rubbing? I guess we can do that. Okay. All right, I'm that'll using work. Vicks Vapor Rub though. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm using ooh, Aqua Force. Ah, ooh. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, that's the all right, spot. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Here's a Snickers right. bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Ow, my fingers. 